Greetings, true believers, and welcome to episode 71 of the Pull List Podcast, a bi-weekly show about comics, pop culture, and faith. My name is Chris Poirier, and with me, as always, is the one, the only, the birthday boy, Hector. Okay, it won't be your birthday when they hear this, but happy birthday, my dude. Why, thank you, sir. Well, I say nice things occasionally. Occasionally. So, And yeah, happy anniversary, because it's also your oh. anniversary. Aw, see? We're celebrating things. And by celebrating, we're celebrating the end of another uh, season, half season. I don't know. We, we don't make the rules. We just make the podcast. But we're wrapping up for a summer break and all that good stuff. So uh, hopefully we have, uh, you know, comics and stuff to talk about today. Um, saving it for the podcast. Let's, 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 let's do this thing. So uh, let's strap <laughs> ourselves and prepare ourselves uh, for We've Got Comic Sign, I, I think. <laughs> On today's episode of The Pull List, we do have a great show for you. Um, the season finale. Uh, we're going to hit the latest news that you need to know. Our must-pull recommendations from the past two weeks. Our favorite new number ones. And maybe give you a little glimpse at what, you know, the fall season is going to bring. We, we might try to do new and unusual things here at the Pull List podcast. Um, I don't know. New things, at least. Unusual, that's kind of what we do, right? Maybe. Okay. So, yeah, occasionally. We, we have been known to do wild and wacky things. Wacky fun. Um, so let's, let's hop on over to the newsroom and see what's going on. As I settle back into the news desk, uh, my closet at the back here of the lovely Columbus Got Game in Columbus, uh, Georgia. It is my closet, but it is also my news center. And You had a big weekend, too, didn't you? Yeah, man. I, uh, I'm i going to basically live in Atlanta for the month of May, it seems, and that's not a bad thing, but it is about two hours away. But, yes, I was at the um, Collegiate Cup, which was the largest to-date eSport collegiate event ever held. We had 64 teams, played four different games and people won some big trophies and it was wild like the production level was you know the stuff you expect at the major um events between pro teams and stuff just you know we didn't have two hundred thousand people there like they do in southeast asia but you know we're getting there we're getting there um then momocon end of the month so yeah we'd be busy um and you're still you know dancing around and uh becoming a a lion right Yep, uh, fuzzy furry, and uh, I spent two and a half hours doing the same dance the other night, uh, wearing giant lion boots and a Snorlax onesie and a Star Wars gator on my hair. So yeah, um, it's it's gonna be good. Wow. So yeah, we're we're out here doing the craziness on all the different ends of the spectrum, but we still find time for comics occasionally, and. I know you might be excited by at least part of this news, or maybe not, but a new Azrael uh, mini is supposed to be coming, and I think it's this fall. Dates aren't really clear on it, but there's a six-part mini coming on just Azrael. I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful and interested, and um, it's one of those, like, 
Azrael is really good in the right hands. Mm-hmm. And he's one of my favorite characters. So here's hoping. Um, also, too, I don't know if you saw it. There is a Jessica Jones book coming soon called The Variant. Oh, I and did it, see something about that. And it's like Jessica Jones across the multiverse. Which, I see what they did there. Yep, yeah, and uh, I uh, I know we're all kind of a multiverse, you know, <laughs> saturated, but uh, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. But that'll do. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, also, kind of in that vein, um, at least in the Marvel vein. Um, if I say the name Patsy Walker, do you know who that is? Yeah, Hellcat. Noise. So Patsy Walker, um, Hellcat, has been in and out of books for the last couple of years, but she did have her own series, man, three years ago now, four years ago. Yeah, and, and um, it, it kind of... DJ uh, Spider like, mm-hmm. was actually one of the covers. Right. So... Hellcat's coming back, and, of course, Marvel's doing their thing, and it's going to be in digital only, so it's on unlimited. I don't know if it's one of those that will later show up in print or not, but, hey, I wanted to at least mention it because I felt like Patsy Walker, the last time around, was another one of those books, just like She-Hulk, that was different but was really fun and then just disappeared um, with nothing to replace it. So... I want to be able to celebrate when we see things like this because Hellcat is a really neat character in the long run. And this series apparently is revisiting who Patsy Walker was prior to Hellcat or directly into kind of origin story of Hellcat. So I'm at least kind of interested in the reality of seeing what that looks like and what that means. Apparently there was a gigantic graphic novel years and years, like we're talking decades upon decades ago that explored this time period in, in Hellcat's life. But this is going to be kind of, I think it's a, I forget already. It was a two earth. It's not a very long series. It's a limited. It was either three parts or six parts. And I just always lose track of those. Either way, it's a mini, and we're going to kind of see kind of that time period in Walker's life. So I'm hopeful it shows up in print, but I get it. Uh, Marvel and DC are trying to push more and more folks towards digital aspects, and I guess we just can't ignore it forever. Darn it. But Well, like I've actually bought much less digital content since the pandemic started because, you know, I was almost all digital. Sure. And now I'm like none unless it can't be found. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, And to round to round out the uh, news, I guess we have to be as many folks know, we're pretty tied into the comic book community and the comic book community as we've mentioned ad nauseum in previous episodes of go to conventions to meet some of the guys that are getting up there in age but have really given us kind of what comics are today well in the last two weeks we've lost two fairly significant um folks in the space that literally the last day we recorded um we found out that neil adams had passed away um and neil had had 
Neil is such an underappreciated dude, I feel like, because folks that know him from the convention circuit are like, wow, that dude is just angry all the time. But he's he's really not. He actually is is a pretty happy dude. Um, and people sometimes are like, well, he he's just very shrewd in how he does business and everything. And it's like, nah, he's he's from New York. <laughs> and I've always kind of said that about Neil is the no, you just need to understand he he's he's very straightforward um but neil spent so much of his early career fighting for other people which is like the exact opposite of what many people feel about neil um in today because neil was actually one of the guys that brought the superman creators back to getting their credit for creating superman yeah. That when Neil was literally just a kid in the bullpen at DC was like, wait, these guys literally gave us comics in America. What do you mean they, they don't have the right to their character and what they created and what they wrote and what they drew? And he helped fight a long fight that eventually got them their um, their copyrights back and their right to the content they created. And then from that point forward, creators, their content that he was in his twenties, he was young, um, that really planted the flag in. No, we, we don't just work for the man. We, we are content creators. We create the things we create and we should have con somewhat control and also at least be paid for what we create. Cause early on in the bullpens, if something got created in the bullpen, it was just up oh, DC comics, Marvel comics, um, so he was a huge advocate for creator rights and creator owned and all of that space and spent a majority of his career fighting that fight. Um, so going to miss Neil. Um, I have some original art from him that I, I hold very dear because I found him. He's just, if you sat down with him, he'd tell you all these stories. You know, he wouldn't necessarily be the one to bring it up, but if you asked, he he would tell the stories of what the bullpen was like back in the day and, you know, sitting next to these giants of industry that it just always blew my mind. Um, and it just bums me out that I'm not going to get to see him uh, this year because he was truly a neat dude that did so much for comics. And then... Just a few days, what, two, three days ago now? I'm losing track. Mm -hmm. um, we lost another giant in George Perez. Now, Perez, we knew, was battling cancer. And he was going up and down and how that was going. Um, and so a, a lot of people basically got to say goodbye because they knew that that day was coming. And there's been all kinds of stuff, and we've talked about it, that fans had produced so much content of their experiences because George loved people um, and sharing in the fandoms with them that it's, yeah, it's going to be a hard summer for a lot of these big shows that normally these, these guys would be at um, and coming on the backside of COVID where we haven't been able to see folks for two, three years. Um, I never got to meet George. Um, it's a guy that I really wanted to, um, met uh wolfman his partner in crime in so many things and that that's a dude that marv absolutely adored george so i certainly um have been thinking about marv 
the last couple of days because I know when I met Marv a few years ago, you know, George was just starting to get really sick. And Marv was crushed that his traveling buddy wasn't going to be with him. Um, that, you know, the Teen Titans and everything were, were those two. <laughs> An entire team of people, not just one or two. Um, just giants of the industry. I don't know. I you You met George, right? Yeah, I've met all of them. I mean, I mean, I've yeah. met Marv and George, and I met, and I spent a lot of time around Neil. Um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, for, because of just the grace of God and comic cons in general, there right. were at least a dozen times my booth was across from Neil's, or oh. like directly like adjacent. Uh huh. So, um, yeah, and. You could always see his giant tie, and you know that's uh-huh. the thing. <laughs> there were people that would, you know, you know, you mentioned like some might have had a negative connotation with him, but like when he yeah. was actually signing autographs and talking to people, he was nice really, guy. He was like, yeah, he was really personable. And like I said, loved to talk about the stuff, and he remembered all of it. Um, oh, how I came up with um, Ross or. How I decided to draw this one thing. It's its just wild. Um, the stuff in the dude's head. And yeah, it's... I'm going to say it again. Because if this doesn't drive it home for, for all of you, that as conventions come back, and this year we're starting to see more and more on the schedule and everything, there are giants of this industry that are still traveling and are still out there if you love comics or even if you're just getting in, talk to these people. They love talking about comics. They love talking about their creations. And unfortunately, we're just constantly reminded that they're not going to be with us forever. And maybe that's also just a great reminder in general of there are all kinds of different people and influences in our lives that we might take for granted. And this was just wild because Neil wasn't young. He was 80 years old, but no one really knew he was sick. Where George, everyone knew he was sick. Um, just pay attention, right? Yeah. And and take an opportunity to really absorb the people that are around you or the people that you take joy in, um, or even some people you don't. Because you, <laughs> you can learn all kinds of wild things just by listening. And, you know, take that time to be able to sit with people learn from them and laugh and enjoy stuff together. Um, don't mean to be like super Debbie downer on the last news section here, but you know, this is just Chris and Hector's friendly reminder of cons are fun. And there are tons of people out there that are doing awesome things. Take some time to get to know these people because that's why they're there. They don't go to shows cause they don't like people. Well, maybe some of them do. But I think most of them go because they, they love that environment just as much as we do. And they want to talk about their stuff. So take that opportunity, fam. Um, yeah. You, you you got anything on, on those two? No, it's just uh, but I mean, I, and it's the same. Like, my Perez story was the one that I told a couple, maybe even the last episode, about all the mm-hmm. Wonder Women surrounding him at right, right, Dragon right. Con. Um these are people because, like, I know the world wasn't as shaken up by Denny passing as you know some, but right, like Denny, and that's true. Denny O'Neill was to me 
Denny O'Neill was one of the biggest in the world to me because like his name was on every good thing I read as a teenager and as an adult. And um, mm-hmm. I mean, we're getting to the point where like Mark Bagley is in that age. Mm-hmm. Where like the people that are responsible for like some really classic creations, um, yep. like not even of what we consider the old generation of like Stan, Den- Denny, Marv, George, right. like not even those guys, like Tim Sale, uh, mm. Bagley, um, you know Loeb, those guys are getting up in age too, and um, you know it's 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 a scary thing. Yeah. So, so appreciate people while you have them. And yeah. uh, even if you don't spend a million dollars on a commission or something. Um, right. Just go talk to them. Yeah. And those guys, they they love you whether you buy a print or you buy a original art or just get a signature. Um, they, they understand that all of us are at different points financially um, and that we're going to show our love in in every way and whatever way we can. So, you know, take that opportunity and get out there this summer uh, and, and catch up with some folks because, you know, some of these, some of these guys just like us got two to three years of not being able to really, you know, do that. So there's going to be some pretty cool interactions, I think over the next couple months and whatnot. So, but that is going to do it for the news uh, for today, our bi-weekly look at the industry and delivering you the inside knowledge. As always, you can join in on the conversation with Hector and I and all of your nerdy friends over on the Love Thy Nerd Discord or on the Facebook community. So let us know what you liked, what you didn't like, and, well, you know, what we missed because we, we probably did. And, yeah, love one another, family. You are listening to the Pull List Podcast. Hey everyone, I'm Kip Wilkinson, and this is Reviews of the Nerds. Today I'm reviewing the book, Black. Thomas Hunter is walking home from work when a bullet slams into the wall next to him. A fight ensues and he barely escapes with his life after suffering a traumatic blow to the head. When he safely reaches his apartment, he slips into unconsciousness and awakens in a dark forest filled with monstrous bats staring at him with piercing red eyes. Welcome to the circle. Thomas discovers that every time he goes to sleep, he shifts between realities. In one world, he is wrapped up in a global conspiracy wherein a deadly virus threatens to destroy all of humanity. In the other, he battles the forces of evil that threaten to overtake the Eden-like society that lives in peace. The lines between what is real and what is a dream become more and more blurred until the events in each reality begin to affect the other. Can Thomas save those he loves? Is he even sure those he loves are real. Black is the first book in Ted Decker's Circle series, a fantasy series in the vein of the Chronicles of Narnia. This book is for anyone who loves fantasy, especially fantasy that interacts with the modern world. This book pulls readers into a non-stop thrill ride, beginning with the very first sentence. This book is one of my all-time favorites. 
possibly my favorite aspect is the clear representation of the gospel without being too preachy. It's hard to walk away from this book unchanged and unmoved. I'm Kip Wilkinson, and remember, books are doorways into other worlds. You are listening to The Pull List Podcast with Chris Poirier and Hector Miron, part of the Love Thy Nerd Podcast Network. We've got some books, and this is kind of the the last hurrah for for the season uh, for us until we come back in the fall. So, um, uh, Hector, wow me with comics. I don't know if I'm going to be able to pull that one off. <laughs> um, the last episode um, we did... There are honestly like so many books that I wanted to put on a list. That all we, the books, all the books, and this was like the opposite. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Um, with the ebb and flow of comics, and even with Free Comic Book Day kind of in the middle, uh, yeah, <laughs> I guess we just kind of pulled the random week uh, to finish out that it was like, well, yep, comics happened. I think. Yeah. Um, so Free Comic Book Day did happen. I did not make it to Free Comic Book Day. I was uh, in my lion costume, and then I was DJing a wedding. So it was a weird day. Yeah, I, w- I was playing video games. So I didn't get to make it either. It's It was really weird. Um, and then, uh, like, uh, the wedding I DJed, I lost my pants. Um. <laughs> <laughs> hold up <laughs> somewhere in the load in load out process my pants went missing so okay. i was standing behind my dj screen with a suit jacket <laughs> vest button up and some cargo shorts <laughs> and so i was you, just like you 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 did a zoom call in real life i did a zoom call in real okay. life um all right and uh so with that you know it was kind of just busy weekend but uh i did uh go by there um my shop yesterday and picked up the uh doctor who special uh the mm-hmm. free comic book day one and i know you're not up to date on who and this past uh arc of who has not been the most uh coherent or uh well received but uh in uh, I can't say his name right, but the guy who gave us um Broadchurch um is who's the showrunner um Churnbull uh yeah Chris Churnbull um mm. he uh he's great at dramatic and he's great at slow burns but that doesn't always equal success for um for uh you know fast paced sci fi shows. And um, Doctor Who's kind of suffered some as a series because not that he made bad content, but he was in the place where uh, people just weren't getting what he was putting down. Mm. And uh, but one of the aspects in that is that he introduced a new entire timeline of the Doctor. um, That there was a version of the Doctor that the Doctor didn't know existed. Like, apparently, the doctor's memories had been erased. 
and that there was a doctor that came before one. Interesting. So, like, all the memories of that doctor stealing a TARDIS, running away, like, all of that stuff from the original series, apparently there was stuff that happened prior by this new line of thinking. Um, that the doctor was basically, like, a mercenary for some time people and then got the doctor's memory erased. Um, and I'm like avoiding pronouns because like just in this one discussion, we're bouncing between a couple genders. So I'm just like, I'm going to say this wrong. Um, <laughs> uh, because like uh, the issue focuses basically on the doctor. So the doctor that we got that we're confused about, because like not only was Jody the first female doctor uh, in canon in the same season or the beginning of the next season, we got another female doctor, which is the fugitive doctor, which is the one that she didn't know about. Ah. Uh. And so we literally met her maybe twice in the series with next to no explanations that were clear. And they've got one episode left and we'll probably lose all viability for this. Mm. Um, so they put out the free comic book day issue, which uh, basically gave us the segue between the fugitive doctor and the first doctor, which is honestly something really important to have for anybody that actually likes doctor who just as a, an attempt to bridge the gap that, seems a little confusing right now so uh if you're a whovian and you want something just to help try and make a little more sense of what's been done recently this is a good take so just for the sake of clarity um i recommend this um because it's hmm. it's functional for the sake of helping you understand what the deuce is happening um yeah so that now now and it so what you're trying to say is that time is like a rug yeah no. oh maybe yeah. Oh. maybe huh i don't know what that means <laughs> but it's weird google it <laughs> um but they uh yeah like they're just this is really just an attempt to do something now the writing was good the art was good it's a good little story. It's basically how the doctor comes to love Earth, but has trolls like Princess Poppy trolls, like trolls in it, and it's weird. So, like, if I had bought this as just as a single issue on stands, I'd probably be kind of disappointed. Getting it as a free comic book day book that I paid a quarter for, okay, um, <laughs> right. Uh, but either way, it's helpful for Hoovians. So chew on that um another book i'll throw at you is uh suicide squad get joker number three which dc's on this weird thing where on some of their black label books they're three months apart in each issue yeah and i straight up forget that these books are happening and um because a lot of life happens in three months like i don't know about you but that for me that's the reality um and suicide squad get joker number three happened and uh it is very jason joker um 
a team of two different Suicide Squad teams, in which there's a fight between Peacemaker, uh, a very underly clad Harley, and Jason. Um, and I'm not saying this to be defaming defamation of character or anything like that, but one thing that I've noticed is in that Azarello books, um, Harley rarely gets to wear clothes. Interesting. Um, remember that Joker book, um, that Azarello put out like kinda like maybe 10 years ago or whatever. Has it been that long or is it longer? I'm not sure. It might be longer, but either way, like I remember feeling uncomfortable reading it because the first couple pages of it were, was him watching Harley on a stripper pole. And talking about how um, she doesn't need to have words. She just needs to look pretty and be quiet. Mm. And, like, I am getting, like, I get bad vibes from when whenever Azarello is doing stuff with Harley. Like, it's just, like, a little creepy to me. That's just my commentary. I'm not saying he's, <laughs> like, a dastardly old man or anything. But he, like... I would if I if I had say so I would not let him ha- play with Harley anymore. But I'm like, <laughs> she's in a sports bra and underwear, like for the entire issue. And yeah, like, that sounds right. Yeah, and I'm just like, this is gross, guys. Um, <laughs> but it's it's honestly a very fast paced, gritty, actiony uh, story. And just as a Jason fan, it was worth it. Um, getting a Peacemaker fight. But again, Peacemaker doesn't have any dialogue either. Um, Dang. Like, he's very eye candy stuff with no real dialogue. Um, And he makes Harley seem weak. I don't know. Like, the more I'm... Like, I liked this issue. Um, But the more, like, I actually deep dive on it, it makes me uncomfortable. But whatever. Um... So yeah, uh, Suicide Squad get Joker number three was its own thing. Um, Sandman it uni- happened. It happened. Sandman Universe Nightmare Country number two. Um, again, delving into uh, some of the stuff in the Sandman verse with the Corinthian and a woman who is painting uh, her nightmares and putting reality, basically putting these dream creatures. Uh, in a public profile, which is endangering reality in some aspect. And you've got some horrible monsters like stalking her. Um, Mm. And you actually do delve into the point where you actually get to go into the dreaming and to dreams castle and into his library and uh, deal with dreams librarian, which is a fun character in general. So uh, if you're a fan of the Sandman verse, it, it is getting pretty comfortably in the Sandman bubble. Um, but uh you know based on my options and let me let me just stop right here to say this that uh <laughs> uh none of these books save for uh one I'm going to get to in a minute were like amazing to me um like I read most of the ones on this list early and was like Boy, I hope the rest of my pools are better so I can find something to put on this list. <laughs> and then Aww. then I got to the rest Aww. of my pools and I'm like, no, no, they weren't. 
Oh, crap. Uh, so, like, for the ones that did not make the list, there's a Nocteria. Yeah, I... <laughs> I create two piles while I'm reading. One's the, yup, nope, and the, yeah, that's it. And there have been a few weeks uh, over the last eight episodes where I had to go back fishing in the nope pile. <laughs> well, all of my nopes are in a dollar box of comics that I sell. Um, that I just take with me to lower to cons that aren't very strict on the vendor-artist ratio. And uh, I'll just put a box of dollar comics out. Um, but on the nope list for today is uh, uh, Batman Killing Time. I love Tom King. And he put a really cool character in here called The Help. Um, but it's to the point where it's so desynchronous and confusing in storytelling that it's not fun. Mm. Um, uh it's on issue three of six, and I doubt I buy the other three. Um, unless it's in my pulls, and then I don't want to have to go through that process, and I'll probably just deal with it. Um, Marauders number two, uh, same thing. Not coherent, not fun. Um, and uh, then uh, Batman was not cool. Not Terra was not cool. But anyway, um, my... Uh, what was not as bad as the comics you just listed. So that, those were my not those were my not bad ones like uh that made the list so far. Now I will say that um My Hero Academia number 30 which came out in March but I didn't pick up until this week. Um it's a manga. I'll allow it. Yeah. <laughs> um which by the way if you are a manga reader there is apparently only two issues left after this. Like 31 and 32. Because it's Amazon, about to get real. Yeah, Amazon is listing it as um, thirty-one or as thirty of thirty-two. Um, but uh, my Hero Academia thirty, uh, you if you, did you watch Attack on Titan or read Attack on Titan? Nah, it was one. I, I guess I'm that guy. I didn't really get into it. It, it went weird places. Um, anyway. Um, my Hero Academia 30 picks up with the battle of uh, uh, Tomaro, if I'm saying his name right, versus Deku versus Bakugo, and ends up with Deku and inside of One for All with Tomaro and uh, All for One. Dang. Uh, while Deku's previous... Um, Uh, one for all users right are banding together to fight with him okay so like uh all might's master is standing there talking with deku fighting alongside of him against her own grandson right while tomaro is straight up also trying to fight against uh all for one himself because he doesn't want to be controlled hmm and it's like an epic battle, but it also mirrors some of the stuff that happened because at the end of uh, my hero, or end of Attack on Titan, uh, Aaron and Zeke end up in this like mental palace, universal subspace outside of time and space type situation where they're having these long uh, conversations and conflicts. It's they're very much the same thing 
for this. Um, but like, uh, if you're watching the development of Zdeku as a hero, uh, how their story is playing out and what that looks like, this is this is a it's a really good manga. Uh, the next one comes out, I want to say, in June or July, and then the last one will come out, I believe, by the end of this year. Um, they they like uh, so many other books recently took a six month hiatus mm. uh, before they went to this one. The creators like okay, six months off, and um. So yeah, so those were my four, which reality, uh, I truly only loved my hero. Um, that's where I'm at. What about you? All right. So I was kind of in the, what was slightly better than the rest of it pile as well. Um, crossover is careening towards its conclusion. It is still unbelievably broken in so many ways that it's kind of funny, which ultimately is the point that crossover is literally every comic book cliche ever known crammed into a story. And that's like actually the point um, of the whole thing. And so, you know, Donny Cates is writing a book that is, you know, riffing on the entire comic book industry, but at the same time, is kind of telling this crazy story about comic book characters like crossing over literally into the real world. And we've gotten to this point in the story where um, they find Donnie Cates is, you know, being imprisoned and he's the writer of the story. And by the story, they mean the one actually taking place. So everyone's assumption is that if something happens to Donnie, then the story's over and, you know, the, the world ends or the world ends for the comic book people. Something in between all those things happens, right? Um, so it's really crazy. But so Donnie's at this place where he's dying and they're all like, yay, it's about to end. And he's talking to the main character and he's like, but the story isn't over. It's your story to finish telling. But I've been trying to tell all of you all along. A comic doesn't come to life until it's drawn. And everybody goes, ooh. <laughs> um, and it's like, yeah, that's right. Us writers think we're the cornerstone of the universe, but it's actually the artists that bring our dreams to life. And he's like, so the only way that this ends, and I'm spoiling it because it's part of the cliche and the joke and the really longstanding joke with Donnie. Um, is a splash page at the very end of Crossover 13 that says, which means... You must kill Jeff Shaw, um, who is his partner in crime and artist and most of his big work over the years. So, yes, every he, they've killed a bunch of people in the comic book industry. And if you've worked for Image, you were guaranteed to die at some point in this story. Um, it's just really crazy and wild and broken, and I just don't even know. It's... Do but, you feel like there's going to be any negative backlash about the whole killing of creators thing or threatening of creators? So I have a feeling based on what has happened so far and the fact that it hasn't been like a bleeding cool article of that. How, how did Bendis not like lose his crap when <laughs> literally Donny Cates murked him? Um, I get the feeling based on everything that has occurred in crossover that everyone involved whether he was just writing about it or he actually involved them knew what was coming. 
I, I think this was an eyes wide open uh, thing because part of it was he had to get permission from all those creators to use um, a lot of the characters and everything that he used. So I, I'm pretty sure at some point he's like, yo, I'm going to tell this really broken thing and I'm going to kill you all. Hope you're cool. Um, I feel like we would have heard about it by now. Because the ones that I think would have taken offense have already been killed and were killed months ago. <laughs> um, so I, I think it really is kind of a tongue-in-cheek thing and it's always designed to be. But that it also is this massive crossover of Donny Cates' own um, comic book world as well. Um, because one of the central characters is Valifax, which is his sword from God Country. And... Um, it's all ending ultimately at Jeff Shaw, um, who was his artist on all of those different things. So I, I think this this was all pretty well planned and probably everybody knew what was going on. It would have been more punk rock if he had murdered Bendis and some of these other guys had not told him. Um, but, yeah, uh, I have a feeling this all was very much in the open. In fact... Well, well, you know, in the case of Sadarsky, that like Sadarsky wrote that one issue um, that he was in. So, yeah, I I don't think it was designed to upset anyone, or if it was, he he did it to their face. So, good times. So crossover. Uh, supposedly, it ends in the next next one, I believe. I think fourteen is the end, based on what they've been saying, but. Because we've gone through a lot of cliches and tropes in comic books, I also wouldn't be surprised if they said it's the last one and then they do it. Just kidding. Um, so who knows? We shall see. Um, for the rest of my books, they're all number ones because, yeah, um, a, a junkload of number ones came out. Um, but also, I just was kind of underwhelmed by stuff on, on the shelf. Like... Um, the Flashpoint Beyond went from zero to number one, and it was kind of forgettable that I, I don't know why every time we come back to the Watchmen type stuff that's going on here and the Flashpoint type stuff that once we get to the actual discussion about give us the story, what's actually going on, they seem to like whiff really hard. Yeah. But it, that's what's happening. So I hope they find their way really quickly because um, – Technically, with the number of Justice Leaguers that DC is killing now in multiple universes, like keeping track of anything going on in DC is about to become wicked hard with Dark Crisis hitting and technically two-thirds of them already dead anyway. Um, so, yep, that's a thing. But going back to what I did like, uh, new book from Boom. Uh, pretty sure. Yes. Uh, called Grimm was really fun. And I don't know why these dark slash like horror adjacent books are like really hitting my list and making me go cool. Um, but Grimm at the beginning, we meet a, a drunk driver that um, crashed his car solo into a tree and dies um, meeting a Reaper. And uh, this Reaper is the main character and She's got, you know, the scythe and everything's like, cool, you're dead. And the dude's like, no, I'm not. And, you know, that, insert trope of Reaper here. Um, but 
what's fun is it's most of the typical Reaper story, except that we find out that there are multiple Reapers, and, you know, they kind of have that job of punching in and going and doing the job while death, quote-unquote, him, herself, unclear at the moment, uh, can chill and and do their thing that, you know, some of these lost souls basically got to go do the Reaper thing, and the scythe is kind of what grounds them to doing the job. Um, so drunk driver dude bolts, um, and you get other standard Reaper trope of, I got to go get the stupid soul that doesn't want to die. Um, but in the kerfuffle of the first issue, basically, uh, the dead dude manages to get the scythe and realizes as long as he has it, that he's not alive, but also not dead. Yeah. Um, but where the story becomes new is when they're dead or reapers, people of the living world can't see them, um, which makes sense. Most of us understand that. But when the reaper lost her scythe and was in the middle of chasing down the other dude, she runs into a corporeal person and they're like, what gives? And you find out that people can see her and touch her again. We don't know why, but that was the setup of the book. And I was like, okay. Um, you earn a number two based on making me wonder what on earth is going on. That we have this group of reapers that have like a really boring day job that annoys them and, and all of that. And this dude that is not doing the death thing well. And a reaper who also, the other kind of part of her story is she doesn't know how she died or she's telling that to people and she just hasn't sh shared the story yet so I was like cool it's it's interesting it, it, it kind of opened kind of tropey but then we ended up in a place that I was like okay I guess I want to know um, and I dig when comics do that so Grim number one made me go okay I'll read number two job of a number one completed um my next number one comes from the Marvel side of the camp. Uh, I know, shock face. And Captain America, symbol of truth number one. So Sam is firmly in Captain America. Um, I was going to say seat, but it's like shield. I don't know. Sam's Captain America. So MCU and comics are somewhat aligning here. And I have to get this off my chest first. And Hector and I talked about this um, before the podcast. The reason I really like this book is about some character development that's taking place in it. But I have to be really, really honest in the fact that the story they told for two thirds of this book is literally from the Disney plus show that they kind of tried to change one or two things on, but pretty much is the same thing, um, which felt really lazy um, because it doesn't say that that's what it is. Um, so I'm hoping that after that, they use it as an entire set piece um, to kind of set up Sam and everything. But towards the middle of that book, we find out that Misty Knight um, is in this book. So one half of the Daughters of the Dragon. And apparently she's... Um, Dating, seeing Sam Wilson, though 
claims that she is not, but there's a discussion there. So I'm down for Misty Knight being in anything Marvel proper because I love that character. And I think, I don't know, Hector, you might throw something at me, but I, uh, Misty Knight is, is my, um, Renee Montoya. Is that, is that that. a good parallel? Yeah. That, I mean, technically they kind of have the same background, um, but different, um, that, I mean, I dig Montoya as well from the DC side of the house, but I don't know why. I've just enjoyed how Marvel set her character up on screen and just the comic book history there is also really solid. So I like, kind of like we I said earlier with Patsy Walker, I like Marvel digging deep into, they have really great characters. Start using them. So hopefully this is an opportunity where we will see more of that. Um so fingers crossed. And then my final, and absolutely none of you will be shocked by this, uh, Moon Knight, Black, White, and Blood, number one, uh, came out. And so I need to set up what this is. Moon Knight, Black, White, and Blood is going to be a four-part, and they're all kind of anthology. So there were three stories in this one. I think they're all going to be three apiece, so and different they, artists. they've been doing these for a while with different characters, yep. with, like, Elektra, Carnage, etc. Yep, and A, I like anthology because that means we might get a look at a story that never would have been told otherwise. Um, we see artists that might not have been dedicated to an entire book or just a cover of a character but the really cool thing about this entire anthology along with the other ones with other characters is they're black white and red um so it's really neat artistically because you're kind of limited in what you can do there um but it works really well for moon knight um because black and white are kind of the core things and then in this case um and red all over is very much a Moon Knight thing. But I just want to say that other than, you know, thinking outside the box and kind of creative stories, that the thing that was fun about the first issue is there is a Moon Knight and Spider-Man story in there that is literally, you couldn't get two further characters apart from each other um, doing a thing. And basically Spectre just constantly looking at Spidey like, stop it. Stop it. Yeah. Stop it. Egyptian stop stuff. It. Yeah, that was fun. Right. Stop it. Yeah, stop it. <laughs> um, and then at the end, you see the bottom of a bathrobe, and it pans up, and it's Deadpool. And Moon Knight's got his, his, head, hand in his, his head in his hands, and Deadpool's like, but Spidey said, and he goes, no. <laughs> I'm just like, that. this is dumb, but it's dumb in, like, all of the right ways, right? I don't know. I enjoyed it. Um, so those, those were my polls. You are listening to the Pull List Podcast. Hey everyone, I'm Hector Mirai, and this is Faith and Fandom 180 on LTN Radio. There's been an uptick lately in... I'm not going to say fan service, but of fans being rewarded for things they were hoping for and waiting for. Like uh, with Spider-Man No Way Home. There were people that, from the minute we saw in the trailer that Spider-Man was in legal trouble, there were people saying, oh, it would be really dope if Daredevil was his lawyer. And, you know... (laughs) 
when that actually happened in theaters, like I yelled. I was like, yay, it happened. Same thing with, you know, Toby and Andrew showing up. The first time Andrew popped through that portal, people like freaked out and screamed like, yay, it happened. We were waiting on this and then it happened. Um, and even more recently, and I'll leave out details on this for spoiler's sake, but uh, <laughs> there was certain characters that we hoped would appear in Multiverse of Madness that not only appeared, but appeared with who we hoped they would be cast as. And I clapped so hard that my hands hurt for like four hours afterwards. But uh, it's this expectation of it, the things that we're actually hoping for in the geek world show up. And by most cases, we celebrate well. And that's one of the things that just reminds me of in scripture in John one twenty nine. how before that John had been preparing the way for Jesus, had been prepping people to be ready to receive him. And then when Jesus showed up in John one twenty nine, it says the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so John had been excited about the coming of Jesus. He'd been preparing people for Jesus. And the minute he saw Jesus, he boldly said, this is what we've been waiting for. And I think it would do well for us to actually be people who are still hoping for God to show up in our lives, that we don't just get used to things being a certain way, that we still actually hope and anticipate that God is going to show up and do things that only God can do, but that also that we would boldly celebrate and proclaim when he actually shows up so that other people can still have that same hope that we have when we're, our hope is rewarded. Remember to catch Faith and Fandom 180 every Wednesday morning on the Back Row Morning Show only on LTN Radio. And if you'd like to learn more about Faith and Fandom, head over to faithandfandom.org where you can learn about our Comic-Con ministry, podcasts, memes, apparel, and book series. You can even read new chapters before they make it to the next book. I'm Hector Mirai, and thank you for spending the last 180 seconds with me. You are listening to The Pull List Podcast with Chris Poirier and Hector Mirai, part of the Love Thy Nerd Podcast Network. What was what was the top one? Because I actually have a top number one. After three number ones, I had one I liked more than all the others. You first or me first? I mean, I can. We can mix it up. I'll mix it up. Go for it. See? You never know what's going to happen on the Polis podcast. Ooh, wow. Um, wow, right? We're wild. Um, my number one for the week was Twig. Twig is the Scotty Young book. It is absolutely gorgeous. And they're telling this really crazy fantasy type story that I don't even know how to describe the character. It is, I don't know, Muppets. Yeah, that's close. Did you read this book? No. I never even it's, saw this book. Yeah, well, if you didn't get it in advance, it was one of those image number ones that everybody in the world went, yep, that's going to be a thing. So everybody went and bought 47 copies of it. Yeah. Um, Which, by the way, I was in a local comic shop when a speculator buyer came in, and literally the owners hissed. (laughs) They're like, this guy only comes in when they're speculating. And I was like, oh, gosh. I don't know what's happening. Yeah, nope. We warned you all. It's real. Um, So, Twig, fantasy story. Um, You get this Muppet-type character that's going on a journey. 
you you gather that they hit a certain age and they kind of have like you know the big journey type thing and he starts his journey and he's got a little like friend that goes with him um and i really don't know how to describe what's going on but it's a neat fantasy story it is not a difficult read it is not a mature read and if it is they hit it really well in the beginning but i think this actually was designed on purpose to be kind of an everybody kind of book um but the the graphics are somewhere between the i hate fairyland and like some of his other work so it's got kind of that chibi type feel to it but also is a little more refined so it's gorgeous um and it's just fun it's wacky um so if you're looking for something completely different that makes you feel good um twig is probably that jam and now here's hector with the exact opposite (laughs) (laughs) so i read um there's a new line to the uh bunny mask series right and you know chris who listened to uh you know all of my recommendations before decided to jump on this not knowing this was literally just the next issues of the book yeah it says Uh, number one it says number one that's a lie um it's a lie (laughs) yeah uh but uh it bunny mask hollow inside number one is literally just the next issue to the previous bunny mask series from this year's last last year so if you didn't read that please don't read this (laughs) Um, womp 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 um but it's continuing the story of a detective who tried to rescue a um little girl and ended up having a demonic succubus monster with a humorous sense of justice like ground herself to this man as her link to the corporeal world um but now they've entered into a weird uh cohabitating uh intimate relationship um where he's distanced himself from the real world and like further and further attached himself to this monster so like uh she literally walks around in a torn up sundress with a bunny mask and uh enacts vengeance <laughs> on things yeah and uh but yeah. but like the the horror element of every bit of that story is built on the foundation of what came in the previous issues so uh it's really good as a number one like that's really number six right um, but, uh, it's the new arc. It's the new arc. But this would be like, and let me just say this loud and clear for the people in the back. This would be like watching Multiverse of Madness without watching WandaVision. <laughs> Don't do that either. Um, You've been warned. Because <laughs> uh, I, I have some muggles that are on my church staff that uh, went to watch Multiverse of Madness. And they haven't seen anything since Endgame. Whoa. They're like, I don't know what's happening, but it's pretty. And I'm like, y'all are stupid. (laughs) (laughs) And then there was a couple people that... I'm right here, fam. I'm right here. Then there was one of the people that went with that group that hasn't seen anything since the first Avengers. (gasps) It watched Multiverse of Madness. And I'm like, I I can't help y'all. Y'all are... (laughs) 
y'all are special. Um, <laughs> um, like, don't, 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 guys. Um, don't, don't be that way. But this is, even though this one says number one, it is, uh, is strongly number six. But I'll say this, it felt good jumping back into the story because the story ended in a really weird place. But it also doesn't uh, pick up in any clear. Interesting. So you're just still kind of along for the the crazy ride. Okay. I see that. So, so yeah. I, I, I guess that was the season. And some books happened. Some books and Hector happened. And, I talked, and Hector and I talked about them. Um, but so we'll be off uh, for parts of the summer. And we'll be back in the fall. Um, that happens, you know, we take the breaks. Um, it, and it's, it's a government man, mandated nap. <laughs> mandated, man, yeah, <laughs> it's a nap. It'll be good. Um, but conventions are going to happen. So hopefully we got lots of cool stuff to talk about on the other side. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll let you know that we do comics and stuff, but you know, it's kind of like, but wait, there's more, um, we, we've been talking um, kind of behind the scenes about possibly starting to do some video with our podcast, and uh, we've been working with the powers that be, um, Radio Matt, because he's smart like that. Um, By the way, just a shout-out, Radio Matt has been killing the freaking game. Yeah, we love that guy. Uh, he, he allows you to hear us in, in slightly more pretty ways than this is recorded, kind of. He puts the cool music in between. He's smart like that. Um, we're we're smart like where's the record button? So, but we're thinking about doing some video. Um, we probably won't live stream it because internet is a thing. But we we, we want to provide you some stuff uh, better or expanded experience. So I can live stream now. with that. My internet's good. Yeah. Ooh, your internet's good. Well, maybe we will do them live. Ooh. Um, but we're going to work on some stuff so that you can, might be able to see our smiling mugs and then find out why this has been a better podcast. What? Um, but anyway, we we are so thankful that so many of you come along for this journey. And, you know, we couldn't do this. We just couldn't do this without the folks that love thy nerd and Radio Mad and Bubba and all them folks. They they keep us together and in the interwebs. So, you know, go check out the rest of the Love Thy Nerd podcast network, of which we are part of. You can go to lovethynerd.com, learn more, see all of our back episodes and all that good stuff, and maybe find some other shows as well. But seriously, Hector and I are just we are super blessed to be here and to be able to talk about comics. We've been talking about comics for, this is what, year four? Somewhere in there. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, and we're just hoping that we can bring more and more cool stuff to you guys. So we're going to work our butts off during our nap uh, this summer to add to the experience. So thank you thank you from the bottom of our hearts you know definitely rate and review the show if you haven't because you know we're out there but give us them you know a couple stars a couple good stars um so yeah but fam seriously thank you for listening and remember kids read, read more, more comics. comics i'm gonna take all seven continents of the game of risk